It's time for episode 224 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 17th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a podcast that always hovers just under the freezing point. That's a weird joke about time and 32 degrees. And you know what? They're not all going to be winners. I'm Dan Morin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah. Hi. I am well under the freezing point. Uh, it's it's pretty chilly here. Yeah, it's, it's uh, snowing here, so I, I feel you. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, it's some snow. <laughs> This is the show where we talk about four tech topics. We're joined by two fantastic guests. To my left, the developer of, let's be honest, everybody's favorite calculator app, PCALC, Mr. James Thompson. Hi, James. Hi. Thanks for having me back on. We are currently in between snowpocalypses here in Glasgow. <laughs> um, we should get another one tomorrow. Glad we Always could, one on the way. Glad we could sneak it right in there. And to my left is Senior Cloud Developer Advocate at Microsoft and also a host of Rocket FM right here on Relay FM. It is Christina Warren. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so glad to be back, guys. Yay. 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 Very exciting. It's a banner <laughs> day. Uh, all right. I'm going to kick things off because I'm today's lead host. So I look around in my office uh, and realize it's full of old tech crap. Uh, so my question for you people are, like, do you have any tips, like, tips for what, how you handle old tech? Do you give it away? Do you sell it? Do you hypothetically let it pile up all over your office? What do you do with it? Uh, any good ideas? James, I'm sure you have some great suggestions for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I am also affected by hypothetical hoarding. <laughs> um <laughs> I do a combination of all of the above, really. I just sold an old Retina iMac yesterday for reasons that will become clear in my topic. Um, <laughs> it's still a really good computer and it's retained its value pretty well as these things go. Um, but I also have an old school cheese grater 2009 Mac Pro sitting under my desk as well. And those things are not small. And also, there are a number of laptops sort of dating back about 20 years tucked into every little space throughout my office, like some kind of twisted Easter egg hunt. Uh, what I do try and do is I try and pass old devices down to family members while they are still useful. Uh, there's a chain of iPad and iPhone users such that whenever I get an upgrade, everybody gets an upgrade. <laughs> and somebody new gets something, whatever falls off the bottom. Uh uh, or it comes back to me and goes in the drawer again. Um, with the really old computers and sort of Apple memorabilia and stuff, there are usually obsessive Mac collectors out there who will only be too happy to take them off your hands. So really, you just have to exploit the people with worse hoarding problems than you <laughs> and pass the stuff off to them. But here's my idea. We make a new podcast where guests come on and we list off all our old junk, I mean priceless <laughs> artifacts, and listeners can make us an offer for them. Um, does anyone a Mac Pro? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Uh, now that you have turned our show into uh, eBay, um, <laughs> my, my answer for you, Dan, uh, is I actually I have I do a mixture of things. Um, I will sell some of the the stuff that I have. Like if it's if it's Apple gadgets that I'm just simply not using anymore, um, I have been known to use services like uh, I think it's called Orchard, and then uh, Gazelle, of course, is a popular one. Um, and I've sold a few things on those, but also handing down tech, um, I find to be super rewarding because, again, it's not stuff that I'm necessarily going to use again. But at the same time, it's not stuff necessarily that my family would, people in my family would buy for themselves. And so if if I'm in a, a place where I'm sort of not needing to use the the money from a sale to fund an update, an upgrade, and I can just say, okay, I'll just sort of write this off, so to speak, um, then I am more than happy to give it to like a, a family member. Uh, and like, see, seeing them, you know, be delighted by that is, is really cool. So it's a mixture of those things. And then I do have the occasional product that goes in a drawer, uh, out of sight, out of mind. But for the most part, I used to be a really bad tech hoarder and don't do that so much anymore, uh, for some reason. So just let it go, let it go. And all those other words that make up the Frozen song. Christina, what about you? Yeah, so uh, we're all talk about, talking about hypothetical hoarding. Um, let's be very clear. There is nothing hypothetical about my hoarding problem. <laughs> it is a real problem. Like on my desk right now, I have I have an Ouya. Do you guys remember that? It was like, oh, the, yeah. The, yeah. I, for some reason, that's on my desk right now. I have a Game Boy uh, Advance SP on my yes. desk. I have Android phones from like seven years ago or five years ago that are useless and tablets and all kinds of things. Blackberries. I have blackberries, you guys. Not even like the good blackberries, the blackberry tens. In my parents' house right now, this is actually my real advice. Find people who have basements. So in my parents' house are all my old video game consoles, some old computers. For some reason, Grant, my, my husband, when, when we were dating, um, he, would, uh, he was on Ambien and he would do this weird thing where he would go like shopping on ambien and he wouldn't remember it and would buy weird stuff like one time what? he bought like a spark box like the ones that looked like a pizza box he bought like some weird things and he got three of the uh sawtooth um uh, uh mac towers g4 towers that for some reason are in my parents basement <laughs> um one of them i could kind of see maybe keeping around for for you know um uh OS nine nostalgia or whatever, but uh, yeah, um, I'm not really sure. So yeah, but my real advice is just to find people who have basements so that you can I put all of your crap there. That's a real good idea. I, I wish that I had a little more access to that. I think the big thing that um, I struggle with, and I, I do a pretty good job of either giving away most old like usable gadgets, right, like phones or, or tablets or whatever, um, wires. I have so many freaking cables that are all, you know, I, I keep them around because I'm always like, oh, someday I'm going to run into something that only but works with like a VG. Exactly. That's what kills you. You might. <laughs> you might. So, uh, yeah, I got to find a better way of dealing with these cables. Maybe just like get it down. So I've only got like one of each thing and I can get rid of like the dozen coaxial cables I have. Because <laughs> why do I need those? I don't. Anyways, thank you all for your tips. I will try to put them into practice. Let's move on to topic number two from James. So I just bought an iMac Pro uh, for the same price as a secondhand Porsche. 
I looked that little fact up this morning. I, I sent a link uh, in the spreadsheet uh, to what I could have bought instead. Um, so my question is, what is your most disappointing tech purchase in terms of anticipation versus reality? I um, would have to say everything, James. Uh, <laughs> save for the iPhone ten. I can't remember a product that I bought and it kept me like super happy and super engaged for more than like a week. I almost always am just like, well, this was nice for the little hit of dopamine it gave me for half a minute. And now it's just another thing that I have that I use and it's fine, but it's not as if like... The, the, it all ends up being it all disappoints me you all disappoint <laughs> oh <my> me <laughs> because it's like it, yeah it's in the mo like i'll be excited about something that i i don't know like purchased uh on amazon and it comes and it's a cool product for a day but then it's like oh i didn't really necessarily need that and also now it's just this other thing that i have anyway uh so maybe i'm just real sad or something but that, that's how i feel everything but the iphone 10 uh still continues to surprise and delight so uh at least i have that to hold on to so for me um and it was funny because at first i was going to say the apple watch but the thing is i was never really expecting great things out of the apple watch and i knew that that was a big fomo purchase but i wore that every day for years and i have the series three and, and i wear that every day even though i think the lte is relatively useless no but for me i'm going to say the uh, the ipad 3 and i'll tell you why so the iPad and the iPad 2, I loved both of those, and I wasn't disappointed in the slightest. And I think the iPad 2 especially was a great device because it finally had enough memory so you could have you know robust web pages, and it was thinner, and it was nice. And the 3 has this retina display, which in theory is great, but it was hot. It like overheated. The battery life wasn't great, and it was kind of heavy compared to the 2. Then, and th this is the part where it's been six years, and I know everybody's going to be like, Christina, get over it. I'm not over it. <laughs> seven months after, seven months after the release of the iPad 3, they came out with the iPad 4. Mm -hmm. And the iPad 4 didn't have the heat issues, was, had slightly better battery life, was faster. Oh, and guess what? Had a lightning port. So, uh, and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and that was one of those things totally killing the resale value of the iPad three in the process, by the way. So our previous topic, you couldn't even gazelle that cause they were like, Oh, we'll give you $200 for your $900 for your $900 iPad. I'm like, yeah, no thanks. Uh, so yeah, for me, that would be it. Cause I was really excited about a retina iPad and then not only did it not live up to my expectations, but they replaced it seven months later with a better one. Man, this is a uh, this is tough. I, I'm kind of I f I feel a little bit what Micah is saying, where it's like nothing ever quite lives up to like the whole like expectation game thing. Uh, I think I was trying to find something though that like jumped out at me, and I really had a hard time because I do find like most things I I enjoy for what they are. I maybe my expectations are too low. Brag about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, seriously. My expectations are always low. But I was thinking back, and the one thing I can remember that really disappointed me. And this wasn't even my money, but when I was a kid, uh, and we bought. Uh, the first computer, the first computer I ever owned was a Macintosh LC. Great computer, but didn't come with enough RAM to run System 7, which had just come out at the time. So I had to immediately, like, roll it. Became with System 7 on it. I had to roll it back to System 6.0.7. Uh, and at that point, I remember getting my dad to take me to the, the Egghead software that was nearby to buy a computer game. Bought a computer game. Came back. That was my first experience of realizing that... <laughs> games built for the pc didn't work on the mac i just had no oh. conception of that as a 10 year old and i was so disappointed oh. and sad because i really wanted to play this like 
D&D themed game or something and it, and it wouldn't run on the Mac. So I still loved my Mac. I held on to it, but that, that hung with me. That deep pain hung with me for many a year to come. That's real disappointment. I've been there. That's real. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? Have you looked for an emulator to run that old game? I don't want to play that stupid game anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so, you know, this starts out kind of as a thinly veiled humble brag, but yes, my iMac Pro did arrive on Friday. <laughs> um, and I've spent the last few days setting it up and running a variety of tests on it and comparing it to my first generation Retina iMac, which is sitting on the desk next to it. And I have to tell you, it's just an iMac. You know, <laughs> this shouldn't really surprise me. It's not like I was promised some near sentient future technology that would but you dramatically. Thought. Yeah, well, but you thought you know, it'd be better. I, you know, I didn't think it would dramatically improve my quality of life, make me taller, make me able to talk to cats, you know, things like that. <laughs> but, you know, secretly, deep down, I kind of thought it might. <laughs> and uh, so I'm a little bit disappointed when all it really is is a faster version of precisely what I had before. <laughs> your, your expectations were too high. That's, yeah, that's you, can, they get you can train me, Dan. You know, in, in terms of like building code and stuff, it's about a third faster than it was before. Which, for the amount of money I spent on it, I it's just I kind of think, is that it? But yeah, um, it does look very pretty though. And since I can't actually drive, this will have to be my midlife crisis Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> That's Two Topics Down, which means it's halftime here at Clockwise. And to tell you about today's sponsor, Micah Sargent, take it away. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Squarespace. If you enter the offer code CLOCKWISE at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace, folks. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. And you get a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Whether you want to create an online store, a portfolio, or a blog, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that and so much more. You don't have to worry about patches. There's nothing to install. There aren't any upgrades required. You don't have to worry about any of it because Squarespace has it all covered. you got award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and all of their templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I have talked about why I love Squarespace so much. It's because they're always up to date with the latest and greatest stuff. HTTPS support hit, and they said, hey, go in here and just flip a switch, and it's ready to go. That was awesome. Same thing goes for Apple Pay. It's just as soon as stuff comes out, or shortly after, you get an email and go in and you get to set it up so easily. Squarespace plans start at just 12 bucks a month, but you out there can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com and when you decide to sign up you're going to use the offer code clockwise and that's going to get you 10 percent off your first purchase and of course you'll be showing your support for our show thanks so much to squarespace for their support squarespace make your next move make your next website and halftime is over let's go to our third topic micah what do you got for us uh, I'm just curious, what VR or AR experience that either already exists or has yet to be realized gets you most excited about the text? Like you strap on the, the VR headset or you put on the AR glasses and you see blank and it puts a gigantic smile on your face. What is that sort of ideal uh, creation or, or app or experience that really excites you? Christina, we'll start with you. So um, this uh, this past year, I went to the Tribeca Film Festival and actually went with the express purpose of looking at the state of VR, trying to kind of answer that question and saying, is VR filmmaking 
there yet. We've been at that point where it's kind of transcended the medium the same way that that there were certain 3D uh, uh, films did. And what I found is that, yeah, you know what? Kind of. We're kind of there. Um, this this anecdote, it won't put a smile on your face, but I have to say the most impressive VR demo that I've seen so far was a Holocaust film that was um, narrated and um, uh, starring a survivor. And it's a tour of uh, the camp that he was in when he was an eight-year-old little boy with his twin sister and his parents, and he was the only survivor. And it's harrowing, and it's very depressing, but it was a beautiful and emotional film, and I was crying. I I, I saw it two times. I saw it um, the day before the festival started at a demo in um, a room in an office, and then I saw it in, in, in an installation, which is similar to what they're going to be doing at museums and things like that. And I have to say that that it brought tears to my eyes. My, I literally was crying. And that was the sort of thing where I felt like you were in this place in another time, um, experiencing something and really, and, and then hearing the narration. And it was harrowing. And it was the sort of thing where I thought, this would not be as powerful. The, the testimony would be very powerful without the, the, the visuals. The visuals would be powerful if they were presented in a different way. But these things combined together make it better than bigger than the sum more than the sum of its parts um so in a depressing sense i would say i I think that any of those experiences i mean that's a depressing example but i would say any of these experiences where you feel like you're in another place and where they can kind of capture what it's like to be someplace else whether it's a positive or negative well on the the other end of the spectrum the thing that i was most looking forward to is a a game which i think is now on steam as well or maybe at least available on the pc but it was originally available uh, only for the PlayStation um, VR setup, and that was the Star Trek Bridge Simulator. Oh, uh, cool! Which yes. was basically like you put on the VR helmets, and like you're on the the Star Trek, you know, the bridge of the Enterprise, and all your fellow players are there, represented by avatars, and you sort of have to like work together to fly the starship and and complete these missions. And I just, to me, that sounds amazing. There's an open source game um, that I think still exists called Artemis, which is sort of a bridge simulator where you each use your own devices uh, and try to like work together. Um, and the silly, simple version of that is the game Space Team, which is also fantastic. But as a VR experience, the idea of actually like putting on this headset and being on the bridge of the Enterprise just seems to me to be way too cool. And I, I haven't had a chance to try it, but it's the thing that I most want to try in VR right now. So I was absolutely certain you were going to pick a Star Wars one at that point, but no, you went <laughs> Star Trek. Um, so I, I've got the PlayStation VR and it's fun, but it has a number of limitations. You know, the resolution isn't great. The tracking, particularly with the hand controllers, is very flaky. You get caught up in the wires and so on. Uh, and yet it's good enough to nearly trick your brain into forgetting that you're sitting in your living room. Uh, a few things that play, I've played that really blew my mind. There was the, the Batman Arkham VR game where you could kind of feel the whole scale of the Batcave and like stand in front of a, a giant Batmobile. And indeed, standing in front of a virtual Harley Quinn and looking down at her and realizing huh. that this must be what it's like for tall people to feel yeah. all the time. And, you know, and VR- when you look in the mirror, you're Batman. Yeah, but VR did make me feel slightly taller when the iMac couldn't, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. uh, Polybius by Jeff Minter, which is the closest I've felt to actually being inside an old video game, you know, fulfilling my Tron fantasies. (laughs) And finally, uh, flying an X-Wing, dogfighting with some TIE fighters around a Star Destroyer, which was pretty amazing. So, you know, more of that, more of these places that I can uh, visit these places in my imagination. 
Excellent answers all. Mine is an AR experience. Um, I am really, I, I, I'm really taken aback uh, in, in all the best ways by AR tech uh, and the concepts more than the actual things that are around right now. Um, I would love to be able to put on some some glasses that look like glasses that you normally wear, not the ridiculous things that are out right now, and just sit down and play Minecraft on top of my table. That like the idea of being able to build Lego in virtual space is just so cool. And Minecraft is, is, um, you know, I, I think in the early days going to be sort of as close as we can get to that. And there are some, uh, Minecraft AR dealies right now, but I'm talking like full on. I've got the whole thing sitting on my table. I can lean in and see it. I can lean out. I just, it sounds awesome. So, uh, I can I am... tell you about this thing called Lego? <laughs> <laughs> I want it in the virtual space. Someone someone uh judged me because I wanted to uh milk the cow on the the the, the Switch. Nintendo Switch. It's I'm fun. like that's that sounds so fun to me. Uh so yeah, I don't know. There's something about that that digital concept that's really interesting. But uh excellent. Let's go to Christina's topic. All right. So I recently uh broke my dominant wrist. Uh I was hit by a car. It's a whole thing. We won't get into it now. But, but because of that, because I am right-handed and I broke my right wrist, I've been um in the interesting kind of challenge of doing what I do for a living, which is um a lot of typing on a computer, trying to kind of figure out ways around that. So there's been a lot of one-handed typing, a lot of voice dictation. And so I wanted to kind of talk about where do you guys like feel like the state of a voice dictation software is, both as a technology as well as voice assistants? Uh, how, how, how good do you think they are and where, where do these things need to improve? I think they're surprisingly good in a lot of ways. And I, and I mainly judge that based on the context. Uh, I remember back in college trying out, uh, I want to say it was, I think it was IBM Via Voice, which was essentially a dictation software. And it was, it was pretty good at the time, but you had to spend like a long time like training it. And, uh, my friends at the time were making fun of me because it's like, he's just reading stories to his computer, <laughs> which is weird. Let me tell you, it's a little strange to read Treasure Island to your computer. Um, but I, I've been impressed with the level of technology that's embedded in basically every iOS and macOS device, at least, because the dictation that's built in there is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> on the macOS side, I think that it's hampered a little bit just by its integration with the OS around it. Um, and I, I don't certainly depend on it enough that I have to use it every day. But I've been very impressed for the most part with its simple, its you know, tra- actual transcription, transcription of words that I say. Um, I wish the voice assistant stuff on, on the Mac were a little bit better rather than feeling like kind of a, a, just a watered down version of whatever's on the iOS side, because it seems like the Mac is a place that's ripe for really powerful voice control. As we've seen over the past, Apple's actually had like very powerful scripting voice control, but it's, it's much more complex to use. So it would be interesting to see more of a bridge between that kind of thing and Siri on the Mac. Um, so I, I'm impressed with what there is right now. I think it's, it's, probably better than it's ever been it doesn't mean it it can't improve but what's just there for free without you even have to go to third-party software is pretty amazing yeah i mean i've suffered off and on with tendonitis in my dominant hand and wrist uh the worst was when it first started back in 2011 and i didn't know what was happening and i eventually wrecked my hand and couldn't really use it for about two months without a lot of pain and back then, there weren't really any good options for dictation, and I used a trackpad and typed very slowly with my left hand. Um, nowadays, I can usually tell when I'm doing something that my tendons are unhappy with, usually video games with fast, repetitive, 
repetitive button presses and I stop and I let them recover for a bit. But, you know, even if I'm in the middle of Breath of the Wild, as it happened. Uh, but Siri is good for normal dictation, you know, for you people who like write down words. But uh, it doesn't tend to work uh, for code at all. And uh, even with uh, with dictation, you know, uh, you're in, uh, I'm in a shared work environment and dictating everything is almost as bad as a mechanical keyboard for annoying all the people in your immediate vicinity. Um, so, yeah, for writing code, Siri's not very useful um, because the writing is all too technical, full of symbols and so on. And I'm sure you could build something into Xcode if you actually had the the thought to do that but there's nothing really there that would help help me in that situation i haven't looked into the other options again recently though but i'd be curious to know if they were viable i just thought of someone trying to podcast and look up something on the internet and they're like uh do a google search for and in the middle of the podcast um i remember one year in high school I literally asked for Christmas for um, Dragon Naturally Speaking because <laughs> I wanted to be able, which was, uh, this, I think that even was the company that sort of fed into what Siri became. Yeah, um, it is Nuance, yes. Yeah, Nuance, thank you. Um, and I, I got that and they like came with the headset and everything and I was like dictating letters and I thought it was so cool. I think that uh, the modern uh, dictation software that we have, just in terms of, of transcribing i do think it's pretty good and in fact i use it fairly regularly and my partner uses it even more regularly than i do and will like give it forgiveness whenever it'll mess up and he'll still just keep going and and using it anyway and and fixing things but um i'm impressed with it i just think that yeah we got to work sort of on the the stuff that goes around the transcription and and all of the actions that take place in that space and apparently maybe one day we can even uh start coding with our voices that would be interesting yeah, I um, I was writing a script last week, and because the content that I do now is is, is more technical than than it would be when I was writing articles, although some of that was technical too. I ran into some of the same things that the James is talking about. It's not coding per se, but if you're using a lot of acronyms, you're using a lot of coding specific terms you have to go back and do a lot of edits. Um, and, and so I did find that the, while I do think the basic transcription stuff is fairly good, especially if you speak slowly, if you don't speak slowly like me, uh, you have to slow down unless you're using a third-party thing like Dragon. Um, I, I agree w- with all of you that it's pretty good. But I would say that I think the, um, uh, James mentioned the the group acti- uh, the, the problem with group spaces. And I think that's a real one. And I'm not really sure how to get around that uh, because that's just a reality is a lot of people work in open workplaces. I have my own office, but when I was doing this script, for example, I was in a room with a lot of other people. And so I had to find a private space to do it, not because I was embarrassed about speaking out my script, but because I didn't want to bother them. Um, I also do think that that there will have to be some sorts of plugins if people want to do coding activities. And I would like to see these these tools become better. Um, as we were all saying, you know, Dan was mentioning the scripting stuff to be able to do actions. I would like to be able to be in an app and say, you know, drag this slide here or paste this photo here and have it follow that. And, and maybe there are some things in the accessibility settings that, that will work that way. But it would be nice if that were part of the the voice engine as well so that you could truly talk to your computer and have it do what you need it to do without having to uh, finagle with a, with the mouse and a keyboard if you only have one hand or if you don't have any hands. That's four topics down. 
We have just enough time for a bonus topic, and today's bonus topic is brought to you by Booz Allen. Tell me if this sounds like you. You're more than just interested in digital technology. You're passionate about it, and you want to use your talents for a challenge you believe in, like moving business forward, advancing healthcare, bringing warfighters home, and protecting those most vulnerable. You're all about solving problems. The more complex, the better. You think for yourself, but you know the best ideas happen when everyone has a seat at the table. Sound like you? Then you have a future at Booz Allen. Join a forward-looking team backed by a century of experience and fueled by collaboration. Booz Allen is looking for experts like digital technologists, cloud solution architects, digital solutions developers to help make the world more connected, agile, efficient, and safe. Discover why Booz Allen says empower change with us. Visit boozallen.com slash clockwise. We'd like to thank Booz Allen for their support of this show. And this week's bonus topic is I just did the uh, participate in the annual MIT Mystery Hunt, which is a puzzle-solving competition. My question is, do you like puzzles? And if so, what's your favorite kind, James? Firstly, there's the 3D video game kinds, or perhaps it's actual escape rooms, or it's the programming side of things, where you're trying to work out how something that can't possibly happen in your code is actually happening. My answer for, for you would have to be sort of the, the last thing that James mentioned. It's, it's problem-solving puzzles. Like when a family member says my thing is broke and you're like that's all the information you get and you end up finding out that their phone won't upload photos to uh the iCloud and then I can help them through that whole process that's a lot of fun uh I love puzzles I, I like uh I like the kind of escape rooms and the 3D portal type of things I also quite like match three games I'm only mentioning that because I'm playing a match three game literally as we're recording this <laughs> uh, and uh I, I like uh I, I like word pu- any, any word puzzle too I, I I like I like that stuff a lot yeah i'm a i'm a word puzzle person myself i love crosswords i do the new york times crossword puzzle pretty much every day me too uh, and i'm working on cryptic crosswords as well all right thanks for that that is the end of the show all that remains is for us to thank our guests james thompson thanks so much for being here uh, a pleasure as always and christina warren thank you so much for joining us and we hope that you uh, are ship shape and back in working order soon <laughs> thanks so much guys and micah the real puzzle was the friends we made along the way (laughs) we'll be back next week but until then remember watch what you say and keep watching the clock bye everybody